y'all and welcome back to another episode of Off the Dome. Happy February, happy Black History Month to y'all. Definitely um, in honor of Black History Month, make sure you're supporting Black-owned businesses. I mean, we definitely want to do that year-round, all times of the year, but you know, show some um, Black businesses some love this month, especially you know, it's hard for a lot of black owned businesses, especially like smaller businesses to get um, like advertisement and recognition for their business. So, you know, it's important that we do our part and invest in our communities. So do your part, y'all do your part. I'm sure there's a list wherever you live that you can shop black owned businesses and see like local restaurants and, you know, clothing places and all types of stuff so for product of the week i do have something special for y'all we have a two for this week i know last week we had like five different products but we're not using the yuka app today but we will be highlighting two products in honor of black history month i want to try to highlight something for us black folk for each week Each episode that's in February, I want to make sure that I highlight either like a black owned business, a black owned product, um, a black author, something of that nature. I want to do my part and spread the word if it's a good product. So I'll definitely be doing that for y'all. So stay tuned to the very end for product of the week. I can't believe that we're on episode four, y'all. Like I'm really out here doing this thing. I'm proud of myself. We are gonna keep trucking along with our with this little podcast that I got here. Well, there's two topics that I wanna dive into before we get started with the pod today. Before I even jump into those two topics, this episode is really gonna be about my most recent relationship. I'm gonna kinda take you guys through as many events that I can remember as possible. Like this wasn't a super long relationship for me, but I find that now that I've kind of moved on from it and I've reflected and I've had my own like self-awareness moments because I think that's really important and I really do try to sit with my thoughts after a breakup or even during the relationship if things are starting to go south and try to see like where I went wrong where that person went wrong what I can do better the next time you know all that jazz so because I've kind of moved on from that relationship I guess I just don't feel like I have so many juicy details, I guess, to share with y'all. So I do apologize if it appears that I'm kind of rambling in the latter part of this episode and that maybe I'm not as clear on some topics. Um, Some of the topics are kind of sensitive to that person's business. So like I said, I don't want to necessarily throw out their business because their business doesn't really pertain to me. But the things that happened in that relationship are really what I wanted to kind of cover. And like I said, I don't have all the super juicy details for y'all, but I do have about two to three scenarios that were kind of like that wake up moment for me that made me realize that that, you know, the relationship basically never should have happened. So I'm going to have that for y'all. So I just want to let y'all know what y'all can expect for today's episode. So before we dive into the relationship segment of the pod, what I did want to touch on y'all first and foremost was because it's Black History Month, I noticed that there was this new show on Hulu called Women of the Movement. And I had seen some people on my Instagram stories that have been talking about it. 
And I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go ahead and dive into it and see what it's about. So basically, and I don't know if each season is gonna cover a different like black person's story. I'm assuming that's what's gonna happen. I don't think it's just gonna be about one story for the whole entire season, like for seasons going forward, if y'all know what I mean. So I wanna say that the first season has already wrapped. I haven't finished it entirely. And I'm not gonna get into all the details about the show because I don't wanna spoil it for anybody because it is fairly new and I wanna make sure that you guys, you know, go watch the show if it's something that is interesting to you. But basically more or less, the first season covers the life, the very brief life, unfortunately, of Emmett Till and his mom, Mamie. And I knew about the story of Emmett Till probably maybe middle school, maybe late middle school, early high school, something of that nature. And, you know, there were a couple of instances where in my household, we did kind of talk about it, but we didn't really go into detail. And to a degree, I'm kind of glad that I didn't know like all of the details of the story, because even now when I tried to watch the show, I couldn't even stomach some of the things that they were showing. So before you even start watching the episode, usually how kind of like how someone would give you like a trigger warning if they're going to be talking about topics that may be sensitive and they want to opt out of that part of like the show or the podcast, however it goes. They do that in the first part before the first episode shows. They have this little screen that says, you know, the images or the story depicted in this episode can be disturbing to watch based on recent events in you know, what's going on with racial injustice and all that stuff. So they do a disclaimer before they even start the season. And then they give you like a hotline that you can call. So I thought that was really cool. So definitely if you guys check that out, if you do feel the need to reach out to somebody because it's affecting your mental, definitely do that. It's not something that I felt like I needed to do. I just realized that I had been like cooped up in the house and I was watching it over the weekend, I think I started it last weekend. And once it got to a part where I just couldn't stomach it, I was just like, nope. And I just turned it off and I was like, I don't wanna be in a negative headspace for the rest of the day. And I just cut it off and you know, started reading a book or something. Cause I was just like, I can't do it. But just to get back to like the basis of the story without giving away too many of the details of the show. So it takes you through like the early stages of Emmett's life and it brings you to the main point of the story is like right before his passing, which shows him going to visit his uncle, I believe. Um, and I don't remember where exactly, um, don't come for me, but um, he goes to visit his, visit his uncle for the summer. And his mom is like very like uneasy about sending him in the first place. And so I can kind of imagine how she would have felt after what happened to him, like some sort of guilt for sending him. Um, they do kind of go into that in the show, but basically, long story short, he goes to visit um, his uncle and, you know, he's basically going to be doing work like picking cotton and helping out around the house, helping around, helping out like in the fields and, you know, doing things that they did back in the day. And, um, you know, of course, also being able to be a kid and going to swim in the river with his cousins and, you know, stuff like that. And his uncle made it a point 
And some of this information that I'm sharing, I want to say most of this information can be found like if you look online, like the story of Emmett Till. So I'm not really giving away details that aren't already available, even if you don't watch the show. Um, but basically his uncle made it clear to, you know, the kids to not go into town. And of course, you guys, it makes sense like he would say that because, you know, when, you know, black folks back in the day were put in a situation where they had to be involved with a lot of white folks or even just one white folk, you don't know what can happen. You don't know how that interaction is going to go. And sometimes, I mean, unfortunately, that still happens today. Like, you know, you don't know what's going to happen when you encounter anybody but sometimes and it sucks to say this but like you don't know as a black person what's going to happen to you if you encounter a white cop you don't know what's going to happen to you if you encounter somebody who doesn't like black people like you don't know and that goes for like any race but you just don't know especially being black and we see that all over the news you know over the things that have been happening over the last several years um, especially over the last couple of years with the black lives matter movement and all that stuff um you know you 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 just never know what's going to happen so his mom really made sure to drill in his mind that if he encountered a white person to kind of humble himself and keep his head down don't be arrogant you know don't don't be coming at people any kind of way, like watch your tone, watch your tongue, that type of thing. Like basically shrink yourself in the face of another white person. That's kind of how a lot of black folks operated. They didn't want to cause trouble. They didn't want to be considered like agitators, if you will. They use that term a lot in the in the show. So yeah, so she, she had that talk with him. Mind you guys, he's literally 14 years old. So she has the talk with him, similar to how in black families, we have to sit down with our sons and daughters and tell them, you know, what to do if you ever get pulled over by a cop. What to do when, you know, you're at the store and you're being looked at by somebody else thinking that you're trying to rob the place. Like there's this whole discussion that has to be had with your children who are going out into the world, knowing that they're black, knowing that they are different. And, you know, it sucks that we have to even have these conversations, but you have to have these conversations because you would literally be setting up your children for failure if you do not talk about like the racial injustices of the world. So um so yeah she she did her part as a mother she made sure she let him know that that was kind of like for her own you know kind of settle her own mind it's like she feels probably you know if I told him to do this and to do the right thing you know he's gonna mind me he's not going to disobey me or whatever the case may be he, he's a good kid he has no reason to you know not take what what I say at face value so long story short you know, he ends up going into town with his cousins after his uncle had forbid them to do so. They go into town, they go into like a market, um, like a little convenience store. And basically, there was a white woman working at the counter. And, you know, the there were some black kids sitting outside of the convenience store that had kind of like punked Emmett into like going in to try to pretend like he was going to ask her out on a date or something like that. And he basically really does none of that. Like he doesn't do any of those things. But what he did do, according to this white lady, was basically offensive to her. And she comes up with this cockamamie story of what he actually did, which was not true, by the way. And she recants her story later. And this, like I said, you guys can look this story up. You don't even have to watch the show to know that she recants her story later down the line. But, you know, basically... 
you know, he goes into the convenience store. They had a small interaction, wasn't that deep, but back in those times, it was that deep, especially to her. Word starts getting around around the town that, you know, some black kid was talking to her crazy. So then the husband feels like he needs to take it into his own hands. And people are kind of egging the husband on, like, you need to handle this because what if this hap what if this keeps happening and blah, blah, blah. We need to take care of this. So I'm not going to go into any more detail other than that. So basically, long story short, the two white guys end up murdering him, like brutally murdering this 14 year old boy. And like I said, there was a point, I want to say it was like episode, I think it was actually the last episode, if I'm not mistaken. So I think there's only six episodes, but they're like an hour long. They start to show what he looked like. And obviously, like, in real life, he probably looked worse, but I didn't know if they were gonna really show like graphic details of like what he possibly looked like, but they do get into the nitty gritty y'all. So if that's not something that you can stomach, I would suggest you either fast forward. Um, yeah, I would suggest you fast forward. If it's just not something that you could personally watch for your mental, I would just say don't watch it and maybe just read up on the story. But if it's something that you can watch and you maybe want to kind of limit your exposure to some of the just the graphic details, I would maybe fast forward over some of it because it's not throughout the whole show. But it is really like disgusting to see what happened to this kid. And it, it does make you angry. Because I went through the whole thing like I was sad I was angry and then when it got to the point where I realized I couldn't watch it anymore I was like yeah I gotta turn this off um, but I do plan on finishing the the season because like I said I think I was on the last episode so you know all I'll need to do is like fast forward or maybe another day I can come back and watch the whole thing but yeah it was it was really crazy and just to watch the trial and just the injustice and how it was handled. And I'm not surprised, obviously, but to see it unfold, even though this is a show, it was just so like, it was just a travesty. It was terrible. And I, I highly recommend, you know, y'all look into stories like this. Um, you know, Emmett Till's case was one of those cases where I think, I don't think it's something that, I think it just catapulted people seeing like this stuff is really happening still, which is why Emmett Till's mom, you know, demanded to have an open casket viewing at his wake so that everyone could see like how brutally he was murdered and beaten and stuff like that. And it basically garnered national attention and that's what she wanted. And I just think it's like women like her and not just black women, but I would say specifically black women, you know, I feel like black women carry the world on their backs and, you know, they try to look after everybody, especially black men. And sometimes, you know, that's not reciprocated back to us. And I mean, I haven't even done half the things that these other notable black queens have done in history. But I just know from what I've seen just in my personal life, you know, black women go to far lengths to support and be the backbone for the community and just doing all this stuff. And sometimes it either goes unrecognized or it gets taken for granted. And it's really ridiculous when you think about it. Women like Emmett Till's mom, who basically risked her life, the witnesses risked their own lives because there's no telling what would have happened to them if they went on the witness stand telling the truth 
because you know they anything could have happened to them they could have gotten lynched and like I said I haven't watched to the end so I don't know exactly what happens to them if anything but you know they risk their lives so that way this this story could be covered and that their voices could be heard to make a difference and I know like you know, his mom and even the other witnesses had gone back and forth on whether or not they even wanted to come forward. Cause they're like, well, what am what if, what is the information that I'm going to provide really going to do here? Um, and it's just a classic case of kind of like, don't get tired of doing the right thing. Don't get tired of putting up a good fight. And I know, you know, just from watching, just seeing how their demeanors were depicted throughout the show, that it's something that you would easily get tired when you keep seeing like evil prevail, but just seeing how perseverant they were in their pursuit of getting justice for Emmett Till. I mean, it's just overall, the concept is really beautiful. Now the, the actions that you see in the show are disgusting to watch and to see, but you know, the, the overall depiction of Emmett Till and the community that really tried to make his story known, it, it was a beautiful thing to see and witness. So highly recommend y'all watch that. So yeah, that's kind of like how I wanted to start off this Black History Month. Uh, it wouldn't be right for me as a Black woman to not make it known that it is Black History Month. And over here on Off the Dome, we are going to discuss things that, you know, involve Blackness and what it means to be Black in America um, from my experience and maybe from other people's experiences that I've seen or am privy to that information. Wouldn't be right if I didn't cover that information. It just, it wouldn't be true to who I am. Because like I said, I am a Black woman and issues with injustice especially black injustices you know it affects you and if you turn a blind eye to it you know you just can't do that you you really can't do it the last thing that I want to talk about before I let y'all listen to this pre-recorded story time I guess um, because I recorded this earlier in the week and the, this whole recording y'all for this story time was like almost two hours. So I had to chop it up a little bit to get to the nitty gritty for y'all. So that way this podcast episode wasn't going to be three hours long because ain't nobody got time for that. But I did want to just mention one other thing. I did see that. I don't know if you guys have seen, but last week or maybe it was like a week and a half at this point, but I think it was like towards the end of January, a, a beauty pageant queen, Miss USA 2019, I wanna say her name was Chesley Chris. She took her life at the end of January and I did not know who she was because I don't really keep up with like the pageantry world at all. So I had no idea who she was, but I did see like her face from time to time, I guess because she was a correspondent on Extra. And um, I think I had seen like maybe like one sneak peek of an interview with her, but I didn't watch the full thing. And so I had to look her up on Instagram and see like, who was this lady? Because I started seeing tributes to her all over my Instagram and I just was like, who is she? And, you know, basically she was, she was an attorney, I believe. She had won Miss USA in 2019 and um, she became a correspondent for Extra. So she did a lot of, you know, celebrity interviews and stuff like that. And, you know, the stories and news reports that are coming out, I don't want to spew incorrect information, you know, out of respect for her family and loved ones, you know, definitely rest in peace to her and, you know, 
my thoughts and prayers go out to anyone who truly was impacted by her passing because I think that even if you didn't know her personally if you've ever you know had suicidal thoughts or known somebody who you know has been impacted by suicide or thoughts of suicide it's really hard to see especially like a young person a young black person who was a young black woman thriving you know looked like she was living her best life beautiful smart just full of life according to you know some of the tributes that I've heard of her and when I looked at her Instagram you can see like she always has a smile on her face she looks dressed to the nines she just looks she looks perfect quote unquote like what we would think is perfect she really looked like she was living the dream that most of us would want to uh, attain like a great job a lust for life you know good support system all of that stuff and her instagram just made it seem like she had it all and so the fact that she had taken her own life would it really it's a teachable moment and unfortunately she had to be a martyr for that is that money does not buy happiness money you know a good job, fancy clothes, all the superficial things that we as a society like really look towards having and you know all these nice things that really does not make you happy. You have to find true happiness from within and you know apparently she had like high functioning depression so it was something that she was already aware of that she had and was trying to manage it and I believe she went to therapy and she was doing everything that she needed to do but I think and I, I really don't know what to say other than you know sometimes I just don't think that that is enough and it's unfortunate because a lot of the people who were making tributes to her were saying stuff like they didn't know if they had reached out to her because she didn't seem like she had any issues. So even though they knew that she had like mental health issues, like she spoke openly about her mental health, I guess because it seemed like she was managing it and she was open about managing it and how she managed it, that maybe a lot of her friends didn't feel the need to then like do extra checking up on her because they figured she had a handle on it. And so I can completely understand how, you know, the guilt of her friends and maybe even family members, it's like, you know, what more could I have done if I thought that she was okay and she was getting the help that she needed and she still chose this path. And, you know, a old friend of mine, we're no longer really friends like that, but I remember when I was having like suicidal ideations, I remember her telling me like, if I ever committed suicide and actually went through with it, because I had multiple attempts, but I could never go through with it just from hearing or seeing people in my mind that I wouldn't want to see me go like this. And also for like, you know, kind of like religious reasons, like, oh, I'm going to go to hell if I kill myself or, and like not knowing the unknown behind the after was really scary for me. But I had a friend who told me like, it would be considered selfish if I decided to choose to leave this world that way because of everybody who loves and cares about me. And then I decide to take my own life and have to put them through that type of thing. And 
you know, at the time I didn't realize how problematic that statement really was. I mean, I feel like she, I definitely believe she meant well by what she was trying to say. I know what she was trying to say, but I don't think it's selfish at all. I just think that some people get to that point where they don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And it's scary to think that all the medication and therapy in the world cannot save somebody from doing what they ultimately want to do and it's terrifying like I said especially if you know or have been in a situation where you've thought about committing suicide it's it's nothing that I mean it's nothing I'm proud about it's nothing that I go gallivanting and talking about like I'm open about it if I'm very open about it but it's not something I'm proud to say because something obviously had to get me there. You know, something put me to where I felt like that was my only option. So it's just sad when you hear about young folks who take their own lives. And, you know, sometimes for me also, I've thought about, you know, ending my life just because if I ended my life, then I wouldn't have to think of what happens if somebody else took my life. Do you know what I mean? Like, when I have like really weird thoughts and feelings about death and dying I can't really explain it um, maybe one day I'll try to like go through my feelings on it to kind of explain to y'all but I really have very weird thoughts about it death and dying doesn't make sense to me and that may sound really stupid when I'm sure some of y'all are thinking like well everybody has to die like that's just the natural order of things but for me especially seeing the way in which a lot of people go it really just it bothers me and you know something that I've prayed a lot in my lifetime is that I don't die a horrendous death and I feel like that's a selfish prayer because how can I sit here and go pray to God not to let somebody take my life in a vicious manner when all of these other people we're living their innocent lives and somebody decides to be cruel and do something to them to where they can't get their life back. What makes me so special that I feel like I can tell God to not let me go out a certain way or to just die in my sleep because that would just be so simple and peaceful. I want to go peacefully. That's truly what I want. And, and to not know if that's going to come to fruition, like to not know how you're going to die, like to me, that is like one of the scariest like feelings, the unknown, like the not knowing, the not knowing how your friends are going to go, how your family members are going to go, what's going to happen after that, like the after, the during and the how is what really bothers me. Um, but I don't want to make this about me, you know, this is really just to pay my respects to Chesley Chris and, you know, check on your friends, y'all check on your family check on yourselves and just make sure you're you're good and if you're not good you know reach out for help there's nothing wrong in getting therapy taking medication getting help there's really nothing wrong with it i think you know nowadays especially with our generation it is becoming a lot more normal to discuss mental health issues we still have a long way to go but we are getting better so yeah definitely don't Take your loved ones and friendships and just your life and being here and getting to wake up to see another day. Don't take it for granted. I know there are a lot of times that we do and most of the time, you know, 
We don't realize how good we have it until something horrible happens. And then we're like, oh my God, I got to get right. And I got to do all this stuff. And I got to like, you know, I feel like every day we should be grateful for another shot at life. And, you know, I do have some things personally that I have to work through as far as not knowing about the after, like I was telling y'all and the how and the why and the when. Um, that's something I struggle with and I wish I didn't. I wish I was normal, you know? I wish I didn't think about these things or I wish I was the type of person who just truly was like the like so Christian who felt like, well, it doesn't matter how I go because I'm gonna be in the eternal life of the Lord and I'm gonna be in the land of the living, in the afterlife. Like I wish that I truly believed that, but I cannot lie to y'all and tell y'all that just because I believe in God that I just truly think that that's gonna be enough for me. You know, like that's not, right now it's not enough for me. I'm not saying that in the future I may not feel differently about this, but it's not enough for me right now to know that I'm gonna be in the land of the living possibly, you know, after I pass. Because it's just the, it's the anticipation of how and when it's gonna happen for me that just creates a lot of anxiety. So I just wanna share that tidbit with y'all, get a little vulnerable. Um, like I said, rest in peace to Chesley Chris and my thoughts and prayers are with her family and the community of people who grew to know and love her. And if you, and a lot of you guys know me, so if you ever feel like you want to talk about your mental health struggles, send me a DM on Instagram. I am all ears. I love to talk to people. I love to hear people's stories. And if I have any advice or resources that I can share with y'all, I will be happy to do so. So please do not hesitate to reach out. You know, if you need someone to talk to, someone to bounce ideas off of, please do not feel scared to do that. But on a somewhat positive note, I'm going to say somewhat positive because this story is really not positive. But now that I'm thinking about it, there were some funny moments. Like there is some like, dang, here, you really was dumb. Like you really was out here wilding. Like what was you doing, sis? Like it's kind of funny. Some of the stuff is funny looking back on it. And some of the stuff is hurtful, but like I said, I've sat and reflected on this relationship to where I can comfortably discuss it. I'm gonna let y'all listen to the story time and y'all feel free to give me y'all's thoughts on this uh, blasphemy of a relationship. Let me just preface this story y'all that Prior to this blind date that my friend set me up on, I was supposed to go on a Tinder date with this guy, but I basically ended up canceling because I didn't like the vibe that I was getting from him. He came off very arrogant and cocky and it was just really unsettling. So I was like, "Uh, -uh I'm not about to go on this date with this dude because you sound crazy. So after that failed date, and mind you, this was like the second Tinder date that I had gone on in like a two week span. So I was already down on my luck when it came to Tinder and I was like ready to give up the dating game, period. So um, of course I'm calling my friend and telling her like how my dating life is going to be doomed. So yeah, I'm crying to my friend and my friend's boyfriend is with her while I'm boohooing with her over the phone. Now, I didn't know this at the time, but basically, long story short, he sets me up with his coworker. So my friend that I'm talking about, my girlfriend, we were coworkers at one point. And then she had a boyfriend, and then the guy that he set me up with, they were coworkers. Y'all following? 
So he's like, yeah, like Sierra, like, what are you doing right now? Like, don't, don't take off your makeup. Don't take off your outfit or whatever. Cause you guys, I was going to go on this date with the, the guy that I told y'all about. So I literally was getting ready for this date already ready. And then the date didn't go nowhere because I decided to cancel it. Cause I wasn't about to go out with no arrogant ass dude. So he was like, don't change, stay in what you're wearing. We're going, you're going on a date tonight. So I'm like, okay. Now, mind you guys, this ends up being a blind date because I have no idea what this guy looks like. All I know is his name and his age. And he was five years older than me, which to me was kind of a red flag because typically I go for older guys and sometimes that doesn't work out. Sometimes y'all are just not on the same page for many different reasons. And of course, I'm going to be telling y'all all the hot stories about that. So I kind of was like, mm, you know, he might be too old for me. And I don't want to date someone who's too much older than me, even though it was only five years. I was like, nah, I've been down that road before. I'm not about to go down that road again. But they were like, you know, it doesn't kill you to at least go out with the guy. Like if anything, you'll go and get a nice dinner, have some conversation. If you don't want to go out with him again, then you just don't do it. So I'm like, okay, they're hyping me up. They're like, Sierra, we take, we, we making sure you going on a date tonight, blah, blah, blah. I get like a brief description about this guy. I still don't know what he looks like. Now I want to preface this by telling y'all, I think looks are important. Do I think they are the end all be all? No, absolutely not. But I do think being attracted to your partner is important and y'all can argue with me if y'all want to I don't care it's important it's something that it's not on the top of my list like there are other qualities that I would definitely put before looks but it's definitely in the list like it just has to be in the list so I think the description that I got of him that was that he was like he had a muscular build that ended up being true he had a muscular build he was like a light-skinned guy he was tall. Truthfully and honestly, that's probably the only thing that I remember about like what they described him as. And then as far as like his personality, they said he was a real nice, genuine guy who had fell on a hard times or something like that. I should have probed into what did that mean? What exactly does it mean when this guy fell on hard times? Now, there's nothing wrong with falling on hard times and God forbid that happens to me in the near future, but you know, any of us can fall on hard times. That's not a foreign concept, but sometimes when people fall on hard times, they don't learn how to pick themselves back up out of that situation. They don't learn how to take the lemons and make lemonade. Like they kind of just stay stuck in that situation. And I'm sure there are some areas in my life where people would probably argue the same thing. But I just know from personal experience that some people fall on hard times and then they get back up. You don't have to get back up immediately. Like definitely deal with what you gotta do. But you know, at some point I expect you to start making some moves. So now again, hindsight is 2020. So these are things that I'm thinking about now. But at the time, I'm like, okay, he fell on hard times. Like, I'm in my mind, I'm assuming, like, okay, so now he got it all together. Now, like, now he's working towards XYZ. He has a job. That's important, whatever the case may be. Still don't know what this guy looks like. Still don't know much about him except for what they told me. So, apparently, 
my friend's boyfriend had already showed this guy a picture of me that we took when we went to some concert like a couple months prior. And so the guy already knew what I looked like. So he knew that he was getting a dime piece. You know what I mean? Like he already knew that sis was fine as wine. And I still didn't know what this dude looked like. So I'm, so they're still talking to me about this guy. And I'm like, so, so what does he look like? So what does he look like? Hey, what does he look like? And I'm still not really getting a good indication of what this guy looks like. So next step is basically the guy, my friend's boyfriend gives me the guy's number or something like that. Or he gets my number, something like that. He ends up texting me and he's like, hey, Sierra, like, you know, I know about you from so-and-so. Did you want to go to the movies or whatever tonight? Whatever the case may be. So, you know, I'm being nice and I'm like, hey, yeah, like definitely like, sure, let's go do that. I was like, you know, do you mind sending me a picture of you so I know what you look like? So I know who I'm looking for, because not only do I want to know who you're who you what you look like, so I know what you look like, because I want to know if you fine. But also, if I'm going on a blind date, I'm going to need to know what you look like. So he sends me a photo. Mind you guys, we had planned to go to this movie like shortly after the whole setup. So it wasn't like, it was like, okay, they're like, Sierra, we're going to make sure you are, you're going on a date tonight. And literally the movie was going to start an hour from that time. So it's not like I had time to really see if I even wanted to entertain this guy at all. At this point, I'm just being nice. And, you know, they already set it up. And I'm thinking, what do I have to lose? Because the previous two Tinder dates were a waste of my time. Or So I'm like open to it or whatever. And I don't go on dates like that, guys. So I was kind of excited just because I've never had a blind date for one. But now I know why I will never do it again. So I'm walking out the door, y'all. Got my makeup on. My hair was in a nice little cute messy bun. That was my go-to style. I got my my mascara on. That's my go-to makeup makeup item. I'm looking fine. So I'm walking out the door. I had already sent him a photo of me. Like right when I asked him for the picture, I sent him my picture because I already had a picture lined up. So then I'm driving to this movie theater and I get the picture when I get to the movie theater. So when I'm parking to meet this guy at the front entrance, I'm getting his photo and I get the picture and I'm like, wait a minute, huh? Like y'all are kidding me. So I'm in my car, like cussing my friends out in my head. Like you guys did not do this to me. Like, I know y'all are kidding me. I know y'all are lying because I wasn't attracted to the dude. And sometimes y'all, sometimes people photograph weird. I don't know why, but sometimes people just photograph weird. So I still was like, okay, I'm going to try to give him the benefit of the doubt. But I wasn't like happy with what I saw. Like I wasn't attracted to the dude, you know, really at all. And so I'm walking up to the entrance. I see the guy. He has the muscular build that they told me about. So I'm like, okay, like he's zaddy with the, with the muscles and all that stuff. I'm with that. I don't want to be dating no dude who's like half my size. Cause first of all, how are you going to pick me up? And second of all, like, I don't want my thighs to be bigger than your whole body. Like get it together, my guy. So he was muscular and I was into that. And when I saw him in person, I was kind of like, okay, like he's not that bad. Like he looks a lot better in person. He doesn't photograph well, that's for sure. But he looks a lot better in person. So I'm like, I'm gonna just run with it. And so, you know, me and him start talking we're walking into the movie theater or whatever. We're talking, you know, chatting it up. 
And I'm kind of nervous, but at the same time, I'm just like, hmm, I wonder how this is even going to go and if this is going to amount to anything. Because at this point, I was like, I don't even know like what to do here because I'm not attracted to the dude. So we could just end up being friends. So, you know, my mind is going a million miles a minute, but I'm trying to take it step by step because I'm like, dude, we haven't even gotten to the actual date. We're literally just at the kiosk trying to buy these tickets. So he pays. That was like a green flag for me. He paid for everything, didn't have to even wonder about it. And, you know, he made sure that I had my snacks and everything. And, you know, at the movie theater, snacks are expensive. So it's not like he took try to take me to Dollar General to get me $1 Skittles, even though honestly I would have been cool with that because that's what I do because I'm not paying $10 for some popcorn and some Skittles I'm just not doing that so yeah he makes sure I'm good and I have everything I need I don't even remember what movie that we saw y'all I don't even remember so we go to the movie everything is basically fine and you know he kind of like we kind of got a little cozy which I was shocked about because I'm like I'm not even attracted to this dude but somehow now I'm laying on his shoulder like what the heck is wrong with me so somehow we got a little cozy at the theater and then like I actually at the end of the movie date didn't want the date to end I was actually still curious about getting to know this guy so he's like hey like do you want to go get food and when we were sitting in the theater um, watching the movie in my mind I was like I wonder like if he's gonna ask like if I want to go get food because first of all I'm not passing up food for nobody for the most part unless you're just an asshole I'm not passing up food so I was like okay I kind of was like wanting him to ask me that because I wanted to get to know him I felt like we kind of were vibing and we kind of had like this cute banter even though I wasn't that attracted to him y'all but I was still feeling the vibe so I was like okay we gonna see how this goes so I'm like yeah like let's go let's go eat or whatever so we go to 54th street or whatever it's kind of like a upscale Applebee's but they have good food so we go there and you know like I told you guys in my first two episodes I am not the type of person to have small talk I'm like a straight shooter when it comes to people asking me about myself so you know I'm telling him I actually told this dude first date about the failed tinder situations why did i tell him that because i had no problem showing him that i had some failed situations and i was down on my luck about it or whatever and then he's thinking like he's telling me that he's confused as to why i'm single in the first place you know that whole thing like you're so beautiful why are you single and i was like oh let me tell you why i'm single and so then i start listing some stuff about myself as to why i could be single like giving him the nitty-gritty not necessarily just painting myself in a good light 100% because I think a lot of times um, what I was told growing up is when you're dating people, they always show you your their representative. And for me, I feel like I don't really show a representative for a long time. Like my representative might be like, maybe I won't be comfortable eating around you for the first couple of times. Or maybe like I won't tell you like something that happened to me like that not a lot of people know so I'm not really gonna show you a completely different person to the person that you're gonna get when you start dating me I just may not tell you everything up front and that's something that I've learned to stop doing the more dates that I've gone on or the more men that I've been involved in because sometimes like I think I read something where it was like 
not everybody deserves to hear your story. And I think after dealing with some of the situations that I've been in, I can truly believe that that is a true statement because I do think that some people take your story and then they try to use it against you later or they try to like make you feel some type of way by using your trauma when the relationship actually starts. And those are types of things that I can't get behind. Like, don't try to use my pain, like something that I told you in confidence, don't try to throw it back at me later. And I've had a lot of experience with that. So, you know, now, if I were dating now, I would definitely try to withhold some of those like more intimate details about myself until I meet somebody who's worthy enough to handle those pieces of information that I'm sharing. So, you know, we're at the dinner. I felt like everything was going well. It was a good time. And, um, you know, I'm still thinking in my head, like, I'm still not really, like, attracted to this guy. He's not that bad looking, but he wouldn't be, like, a guy that I would normally go to. And I don't think I have, like, a type. I feel like I've liked and been with a variety of men. So I don't think I have a type at all. But, you know, I want my man to be fine, period, period, T. Like, that's just the T. So yeah, the dinner went well, everything was fine. You know, we went on our merry little way. Didn't kiss on the first date, that was important to me because I've kissed on the first date and I just truly feel like sometimes even kissing alone can blur the lines and sometimes you get quickly involved with somebody physically and then next thing you know, you're like, wait a minute, like you're not even the person that I thought you were because I've been so involved with you sexually or physically that the lines got blurred so I try to like have like a clear distinction or boundary when it comes to like the physicality of a relationship because for me that's where it goes wrong and we will get into that y'all you know we go about our separate ways um he says he's he enjoys the date I said I enjoyed the date I thanked him for paying I think thanked him for his time so then surprisingly like the guy keeps texting me so he's clearly interested in me and I'm not too much concerned about this dude. Like I'm thinking this is like a one and done. I'm not concerned about this dude in the least, but he's texting me. And this is how I can tell y'all for sure that I wasn't interested in him. So usually if I'm into a dude, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I'm gonna find a way to like keep you in the know about what's going on in my day. I'm going to find a way to contact you. I'm going to find a way to respond to your messages. If I like you, I am going to find a way. So that's why I don't buy this idea that people are busy. I think you're busy when, I think you're too busy for people that you don't really care to interact with. That's what I think. And no one can tell me otherwise. I know we're all busy in the large scheme of things, but I know for me, Whenever I'm like in a new relationship, like I'll stop everything and not literally, but like I could be doing my hair and I will text you in between what I'm doing. Like I'm just going to find a way. So I remember doing my hair one night and it was the night before we had already planned a second outing. And I basically told the guy that, you know, I don't see us going to the next level. I would rather just be friends. I'm not looking for like a relationship. And I didn't have it in me to tell the guy that I wasn't attracted to him because I've actually never had to tell anybody that before. And I kind of think that's rude to tell somebody like, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So I'm not saying like he's but ugly or anything like that. I'm just saying he's I'm not attracted to him for me. 
which is fine because somebody may not be attracted to me and that's their prerogative. But I feel like there's a difference between just thinking that in your head and actually telling somebody that out loud because I just think it's so rude. So I just said, you know, I would rather just be friends and I don't mind if we hang out as friends or whatever the case may be. So he's okay with that at first, according to what he told me. So he was like, hey, like, do you want to go bowling? And I'm like, okay, like, yeah, let's go bowling or whatever. And I'm not looking forward to this outing at all, y'all. Like, I'm just thinking like, this is just going to be a simple one and done outing. And that's just going to be it. You know, it's not going to be nothing to it but to do it. So, you know, he's starting to text me a lot more often. He's asking me how my day is at work and He's asking me about like personal things about my life so he can get to know me better. And I'm being real short with him. I'm not really giving him the time of day because I don't want him to think that I'm into him when I'm really not. So fast forward a little bit. We go on this bowling date and this is the pivotal moment in this story, y'all, because I felt like everything changed for me at this moment and it's so crazy. This has never happened to me before. So I literally thought that I was living in a dream. Now, you guys heard this whole story about me not finding this guy attractive, like, at all. So, we, I get to the bowling alley, and I get there right before, like, we get there at the same time, but obviously, like, I don't know what type of car he drives. He doesn't know what type of car I drive. So, I'm walking up to the building, and I guess, like, he had just parked just like I did, so he's walking up behind me, and I had no idea. So, then he calls my name, and I turn around, and I kid you guys not, like, this dude was fine as hell hell when I saw him the second date like I was so confused I was like what is happening because I literally didn't think nothing about it when I met him the first time like I had no butterflies no sparks like no dang this dude is fine nothing like that but when he called my name hunty I was like oh I'm in trouble and uh so yeah so then for something, some, a light bulb switched in my mind and was like, okay, so this guy is actually pretty good looking and now I'm attracted to him. So now this is a problem because this whole time I've been playing like I'm not interested in this dude because I wasn't. And now that I'm attracted to him, now the, now the game has changed. Now this guy could try to scoop me up and what am I going to do? So I'm trying to play hardball, y'all. Like I'm trying to play hard to get... I'm not really trying to be like too into the guy because I'm like, you know, maybe this is just a farce. I don't know how you see somebody in a photo, you meet them for the first time in person and you don't find them attractive, but then you see them the second time and you find them attractive. Like that doesn't make any sense to me, but there actually is some psychology behind that y'all. It's called the familiarity effect. Like the more you see somebody, the more you spend time with them, the more attractive they start to become. And that is literally what happened to me. It's just crazy that it only happened after like the second date. So we go to the bowling alley. We have a great time, all that stuff, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, we start kind of talking about possibly how this is going to work. Like, what are we going to be doing here? Because I don't like to play games with people and I don't like people to play games with me. So now that I'm thinking that this guy is attractive, I'm like, okay, so maybe I will give him the time of day. But I said, you know, I don't want to take it. I don't want to move fast. I move fast in a lot of my other previous relationships and it hasn't gotten me anywhere. So, you know, I would rather take it slow and, you know, kind of work our way up to something like a relationship, but I don't, I really just want to take it slow. And he was all for that. 
you know, why would he say he's not for that? You know, he's trying to get me locked down. So he's going to say whatever he needs to say to get me locked down. So he's with that. And somehow, guys, this bowling alley date turned into a whole shindig. Like after the bowling alley date, I felt comfortable enough to ride in this man's car. I don't even know this guy. Ride in this man's car, go downtown to the Riverwalk in San Antonio, and go to some Mexican restaurant, walk in, holding hands. Like, I'm telling y'all, this was like a 360 flip. I don't know what happened to me, but I was here for it. But even like just a little bit, I still was kind of like a little like embarrassed to be around him because for me, like, when I saw him on the second date, I definitely felt like there was attraction there. And then I, like, of course I told you guys, we had a lot of friendly banter. And so for me, someone who has a good sense of humor, friendly banter, who is a like a flirt, something like that, but, and is confident in who they are, that can also be a turn on and can raise your attractiveness level um, really quickly. It, it doesn't always have to be like you're attractive because some people who are attractive, they're assholes. And then I don't find you attractive. I find you ugly. So I guess that it really just depends on your situation. And from what I could see, like he was a sweetheart. He was a gentleman. He was nice. You know, he treated, we treated me with respect, but mind you guys, this is only the second date within like a two week span so it's not like this is too much time has passed for me to be making all these assumptions in the first place but anyways I felt comfortable enough to ride in his car and I think one of the reasons I felt comfortable is because I trusted my friend's judgment like I didn't think that they would lead me astray to some random dude who was going to try to murder me you know so I kind of felt like because of that alone I felt comfortable to like be alone with him in his own car if it wasn't the case that I had a known source who knew of his character, then I don't think I would have been so open to like hanging out with him like one-on-one -on -one like that until we had a couple of dates. So the downtown date goes great or whatever. And I'm just gonna fast forward because this is basically how the relationship started. And you know, in the beginning it was fine, but I felt like after telling this guy that I wanted to move slow and I didn't want to rush into anything and I really wanted to, for us to get to know each other, things really started to progress really quickly. And this is kind of like this segment of the podcast is going to be centered around boundaries. So keep that word in the back of y'all's mind when y'all are hearing me discuss what I'm going to, you know, talk about going forward. So just a little backstory. Um, you know, I've had like a weird relationship with sex. Probably for as long as I knew what sex was. Because purity culture and growing up in a Christian household, I was always told, you know, if I got pregnant, I was going to get kicked out of the house. So that was like a huge deterrent in me ever having sex, period. Because I'm thinking... Well, if I get kicked out of the house, I don't have any prospects. So where am I going to go? What am I going to do? So, and that's kind of where I go back to when I told y'all that I kind of feared my mom because my mom kind of instilled that fear in me to not have sex, to not do, you know, things that would be frowned upon in that regard. So that really kind of scared me straight. Now, of course, there were other things that I got involved in when it came to sex that wasn't actually the act of 
sexual intercourse but that's neither here nor there and so and then with purity culture it's like being a christian it's like we're told to wait until marriage and by the time i'm telling you guys this story about this guy i mean i had definitely had already lost my virginity at 18 so that wasn't even like the issue at hand like my virginity was already gone there was no getting that back so I had already done the one of the biggest sins, according to others, was have sex before marriage. So it's not like, you know, I hadn't already done that. But, you know, after that experience, and then just the guys that I had dated prior to the guy that I'm telling you guys about now, you know, we just always had this weird thing with sex because I would always want to hold off or not do it at all. But then it would get to the point where we would end up doing it and then I would feel guilty about it and I would be crying saying like, oh my God, God hates me and you know, I don't feel like I can have sex because I always feel guilty about it and all the guys that I would ever be with would never feel guilty. They would never feel guilty. They would never feel like any, anything. They would just feel like I'm having sex with my girlfriend and that's fine and I never felt like it was fine. I always felt like it was something so horrible to do and I still kind of have a weird like feeling about sex and how that pertains to, you know, my romantic relationships and how I want that to be involved in my relationships going forward because I'm single right now, so I don't really have to worry about it. But I don't know where I stand on when or if to bring sex into a relationship if marriage is not in the cards. Because I do think that sex creates a lot of blurred lines and then I just think there are a lot of more important things that you need to be concerned about before sex is even brought on the table like there's just so many different discussions that need to be had before you start having sex and that is what I learned that's one thing that I learned in this relationship because I was very clear about what my boundaries were when it came to sex but I think where I went wrong, I was clear with my boundaries, but then I started kind of relaxing my boundaries because very quickly, this man started coming to my humble abode, which I do not let men into my place. You know, he was like the first guy that I ever let into like where I live. Most people don't get that luxury because you know, your home is your safe haven, it's your safe space. I don't want every Tom, Dick, and Harry knowing how to find me, where to get here, you know, all that jazz. So it was like maybe three weeks into, you know, going out with this guy, texting him, calling him, that, you know, he started coming over and, you know, he started spending the night and it just got really complicated really fast. Because obviously, like, there's only so long that you can hold off on not sleeping with a guy who's sleeping at your house. Like, what like I mean I don't know you just have to have a lot of willpower and you also have to have somebody who respects your boundaries now I'm in the wrong because I set a boundary and then I started relaxing it I feel like a guy who respects me not only would be like hey like you know you said that that's not something that you were into so I don't want to pressure you to do anything and you know we don't have to do anything and blah 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 I feel like a guy who respected my boundaries wouldn't question my boundaries you know what I mean like it wouldn't be a question on whether or not we're gonna do something that I already said I don't feel comfortable doing 
And I'm a grown ass woman, so I can take responsibility for the fact that I was the one who relaxed my boundaries. I relaxed my standards. I went back on my word several times with this guy and it really did not do me any favors. <laughs> like, that's why I will say that you really have to first find out what your boundaries are and second, stick to them. And if someone is not willing to respect your boundaries, then that just needs to be the end of it because there's really no coming back from a person who doesn't respect your boundaries, especially when it has to do with your body. And it becomes a bigger issue than just y'all had sex and maybe that's not something that she really wanted to do, but you kind of conned her into it. And by conned her into it, I don't mean like forced me. I just mean like kind of like begged me I guess like you begged me to have sex with you so I'm like okay like I can maybe hold off on for hold off on it for so long before then I start feeling guilty like okay well I'm kind of subjecting you to these conditions in which you want to have sex with me in which you want to be involved with me physically and you're at my house and we're cuddling on the couch and we're doing whatever so then I feel guilty and I'm like okay well maybe I that's like a double standard I can't invite you to my house and then you don't end up getting what you want out of it that's what I would think that's kind of like how he would make me feel about it by the time we actually were in a set in stone relationship that we both agreed upon he is his common statement would be like I don't understand why I have to feel like a bad person for wanting to have sex with my girlfriend and you know for me I understood what he was saying I understood that sentiment but my thing was I feel like we have a lot of other things that we need to work on that have nothing to do with sex and like I said like I was always the one who felt guilty for it and for whatever reason even this guy who grew up in the church claimed himself to be like someone who believed in God didn't feel like sex was one of the things that he felt strongly about. He felt like he, it really didn't matter. Like sex before marriage was something that he was taught growing up and he tried to abide by it and then realized that he couldn't and he kind of just forgot about that whole thing. And for me, I also forgot about it because I lost my virginity at 18, but then I still really never settled with God how I need to move in my relationships because I, ha I don't really know where I stand on having sex in my relationships and when and when's the appropriate time and you know all of that stuff so long story short you know I said that this section is going to be about boundaries and so we got involved really quickly he it, it got to the point y'all where we were like a month into seeing each other this guy was practically here every day like literally I would have to go to work, be at work at eight. He had to go to work at like seven. So he would wake up before me. He would get ready, leave. I would tell him bye or whatever. And then I would get ready for work or whatever the case may be. And then I would come home and then he would come back to my house like shortly after that, after he got off work. And then we would do the whole thing all over again, like eat dinner together, wake up, do the whole routine as if we were like, a legitimate couple after only seeing each other for one month and that was just ridiculously fast for me because it just created a lot of problems but I feel like in the moment 
I was like, oh, this is nice. You know, I have somebody who I can lay next to in the middle of the night. I have someone that I can eat dinner with, you know, someone I can do life with essentially. We did this for a good two weeks straight on the cusp of literally not knowing diddly squat about each other. Like not enough to be trying to live with each other after a month. You know, in the beginning it was fine because it was like the puppy, the puppy love phase. So we weren't really arguing at this point. Like we didn't argue, but shortly after doing the whole two week of him living here practically, we started getting into arguments because then I started to think like, okay, long-term, this isn't gonna work because you're over here, but you're not contributing to the household. Mind you guys, so this guy lived with his mom, which is fine, like that's fine. I mean, going forward, I would rather be with someone who also has their own because it just creates less complications. And this is kind of where it goes back to how he fell on hard times. You know, he did live with his mom and when he wasn't with his mom at his mom's house, he was basically staying with me. So practically he was with me all the time because would you rather stay with your mom or would you rather go to your girlfriend's house? I mean, it makes sense. But after a while, it started getting old that he wasn't really pulling his weight and you're, you're at my house like seven days a week. So, you know, <laughs> my lease says if someone's at the house for longer than seven days, they need to be added to the lease. So it just became an issue for me because I'm thinking like, okay, like, what are you contributing? Like, are you cleaning up after yourself? Are you contributing to me buying groceries? And because I'm, because now I'm feeding you, you know, like I'm cooking dinner, not for just one person. Now I'm cooking dinner for you. Um, I'm not saying that he didn't buy me food or whatever the case may be. He did, but it wasn't consistent and definitely not for somebody who's staying at your house, you know, for long periods of time. He didn't clean after himself. It was like me talking to a child like this guy was like 29 when I met him and I just felt like why do I have to tell you these things why do I have to tell you you know after you eat to put your dish in the sink and rinse it out and do all that stuff like and I want things done on my time that's another problem that I have so after I'm done eating if I'm putting my plate away I kind of want you to get up and put your plate away I don't want you to you know, just sit on your ass while there's just a dish sitting in front of you. And this guy just would literally wait for me to do it. And I started getting really fed up because I felt like, okay, you're over here and that's great and all. Like, I don't mind you being over here, but at some point we just got to set some ground rules because if you're going to be over here and I just didn't feel like these conversations needed to be had with someone who was almost 30 years, 30 years old, like, I just feel like I shouldn't have to tell you to clean up after yourself. I feel like I shouldn't tell you, shouldn't have to tell you to help me make up my bed in the morning or help me fold the blanket that you used or, you know, whatever the case may be. I just, it was just, it was a hot mess y'all. And I'm a neat freak. So for someone to come into my space and then it's like, I'm taking care of my house and then I have to now clean up after you and you're almost 30 like that was a big problem for me you know for me my boundary should have been like sticking to my boundary should have been you know you can't come over here until I feel comfortable enough to let you come to my house and I told him that up front that you know I will meet you at these places that we go on dates I don't want you to pick me up because I don't want you to know where I live but like on the third date I basically let him come pick me up because I felt like 
I could bend the rules a little bit because he didn't seem like he was crazy. Now, how would I know this after three weeks, y'all? I don't know. And I started just bending the rules a lot. And that just really got me into trouble because when I've now I'm bending the rules. So now you don't respect me. Now you don't respect my boundaries because I don't respect my boundaries. How can you respect my boundaries if I go back on my word? And you need to be a woman of your word. And I just kept going back on it just for the sake of wanting to have his company and not wanting to be at the house all the time by myself. And, you know, I really did start to like this guy. Like I did. I liked him as a person. I thought he was genuine. I thought he was sweet. You know, he seemed sincere and he was in the beginning, but it wasn't too long after when we actually became officially a couple, which I want to say was like on Valentine's Day weekend, he officially asked me to be his girlfriend. But by that time, dude was already practically living at my house, spending the night every weekend, you know, and you guys, we weren't even doing anything like spectacular for this guy to have been you know, staying at my house as much as he was and eating my food, drinking my Brita filtered water. Like we weren't even doing nothing significant. Like he wasn't whining and dining me and taking me to the Tower of Americas. If y'all don't know, Tower of Americas is really fancy, like sky high restaurant in San Antonio that's downtown. And we ain't never go to no, nothing fancy like that. We never really did anything fancy unless I suggested it. So it's not like I was being like wine and dine, super fancy here. This guy was just reaping the benefits of me bending my rules, letting him come over. If you get to come over and I cook for you, you don't have to cook for yourself. If you get to come over and I cook, you don't have to clean because you don't feel like you, you don't feel obligated to clean someone else's house, even though you just ate someone else's food in their house. You know, I was raised, if you go over someone's house for dinner and you know, you, after you eat, you offer to help, you put your dish in the sink, you rinse it off. Now, if that person says, no, 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 you're a guest, I got it. Well, then that's one thing. But, and then that would be one thing if that's like a occasional thing, but guys, this guy was practically living with me. So I expected a lot more hands-on you being involved in the household. And because there wasn't a lot of that, I just realized like, this is what I would get if this relationship continues. I basically am not going to get any support. And yeah, that's, that's basically, that was one of our biggest issues was I felt like he would always be over here and not contribute to my household. And I just didn't, that didn't sit well with me. And what I came to realize is whenever I would go, I didn't go to his mom's house often, but when I did go and went to his quarters, cause he had like his own separate room in his mom's house, like a kind of like a garage turned into his room with a lock and a key, all that stuff. It was horrible. Like I was so shocked at how he was living over there. So then for him to be at my house, I don't know why I expected him to like keep my house clean because he didn't keep his own place clean. And sometimes you think, oh, maybe I caught you on a bad day. No, I went to his house, I think on two to three separate occasions and it's like he never touched it. And so for that reason, I started to realize I was asking too much of this guy, even though he claimed like, oh no, you just caught me on a bad time. I'm really good at cleaning, blah, blah, blah. But I never witnessed this guy actually clean something and anything in his, in his vicinity actually being clean. So that was one of the biggest problems that we had. We had a lot of issues when it came to gender roles on, you know, who's supposed to do what in the household. 
it was a lot of conversation with him asking me what did I bring to the table mind you I'm allowing this guy into a nice clean safe apartment I'm cooking him dinner occasionally I mean I probably cooked him dinner a handful of times I can't count how many times you know invited him over for dinner that I prepared you know let him drink all my Stella Rosa wine you know just a lot of different things I mean I would try to do sweet things for him like wake up in the morning and cook him breakfast I did that a handful of time handful amount of times I remember at one point I had a personal trainer you know I would let him stay at my apartment sleep in until after I came back from personal training and let him watch my tv you know like let him do all of this stuff in the comfort of my house so for him to say stuff like what do you bring to the table I mean sometimes that question would stump me because then I started really thinking like maybe I don't bring anything to the table here like maybe I'm really mediocre like maybe he's better than me and I probably don't bring anything to the table if he has to ask if he doesn't feel like I bring anything to the table I started to really think that maybe I just wasn't shit and it wasn't until after I got out of this relationship and I had talked to some friends and my mom about it that they were like naming off all the things that I just kind of told y'all that I did for him. And they were like, yeah, so I don't really see why uh, the conversation of you not bringing anything to the table would ever come up when you had did all this stuff for him. So, yeah. And then, you know, there were just a lot of arguments. There were times where we put our hands on each other. Like if, for example, if he would want to leave in the middle of the night. I'm always the type of person where I'm like, you know, I don't mind if you're mad at me, but just go sleep in the living room or something. Like don't up and leave here at four o'clock in the morning because I'm going to be distraught about it. Like, obviously like I'm mad at you, but I care about you. So don't like up and leave me at four o'clock in the morning. And I don't know what's going on with you. And like this guy had the tendency to drink. And so he made poor decisions when he would drink like, you know, be mad, go drink with his homeboys and then try to come to my apartment. And then it's like, why are you even drinking? Why are you even driving after you had that much alcohol? And I don't know what you're going to be out here doing. Like you're behind the road. I can't control what you're doing and you're making poor decisions. And he would just get in these weird like moods where he felt the need to like down a whole bottle of crown. And here we are going back and forth arguing. And why am I arguing with somebody who's practically drunk at this point you know so we did have like a lot of physical encounters in which maybe I would try to block him from leaving my apartment or you know he would try to you know like kind of move me out of the way so he could get out the door you know yelling at the top of our lungs at all hours of the night just a true love and hip-hop situation like just true out of character for me not a type of person that I want to be in a future relationship telling him to get the F out of my apartment and just ridiculous stuff. It had a lot to do with lack of trust because there were just a lot of moments in my mind where I just didn't fully trust him because he was one of those types of people where he didn't want anybody to look into his phone. And for me, I'm thinking like, "Mm, nah, that's not gonna fly with me because I feel like I have a, I need to know. I need to, sometimes I, y'all, I just need to know because I've been cheated on in the past and I found out by searching somebody's phone. Should you be searching anybody's phone? No, not realistically, you shouldn't. But, you know, sometimes when you get that inkling, you get that women's intuition, 
I got to take it and run with it because it just eats me up inside. So, you know, there would be situations with his phone where he's like, why do you have to go to go through my phone and I don't go through your phone? I say, yeah, but I literally would hand him my phone so he could go through it because I had nothing to hide, like nothing to hide. So you can have my phone. He would always say, like, I can't show you my phone because I'm sitting on a gold mine and I don't want you to see my bank information. Like, first of all, I don't want your money. And second of all, how do you claim that you love somebody, but you don't even trust them enough to let them go through your phone? Sometimes I just really didn't understand. Like, you know, we, we did say that we loved each other. And there was a point where I told him, I was like, maybe we need to just stop saying that because I feel like we're saying it, but the actions and the words aren't matching up. Like you say you love me, but some of the things that you're telling me, I don't think a person who loves me would do this. I don't think a person who loves me would say this. I don't think a person who loves me would not respect my boundaries. And there would just be times where, you know, another like situation that would always cause problems for us would be, you know, I felt like for him, he was always ready to jump my bones. Soon as he walked through the door, he's ready to jump my bones. And for me, I'm trying to like, you know, how was your day? Maybe talk. I'll sit in your lap, whatever the case may be. But homie's always trying to jump my bones. And so I started to feel like this dude must only want me for sex. We, we had several falling outs. And, you know, the biggest thing that I know that I learned from being with him is that one, we should have never got together. We were too different on situations that we needed to be in alignment with. And I'm going to tell you guys these two different situations that happened, which kind of were like the nail in the coffin. For me, you know, this was a relationship where I was proud in that I was very vocal about what I wanted and what I didn't want. Even if I did go back on my word, I was very vocal and I made myself clear when it came to what I wanted in a relationship, what I wanted in a partner, um, that I wanted someone who was like a helpmate who equally wanted to help me as much as I wanted to help them. So if I cook dinner, well, maybe you'll wash the dishes or maybe you'll help out or maybe you'll take out the trash for me. Like, I just don't like the fact that you're over here all the time and I feel like it's a one woman show, but it's not a one woman show because I'm catering to you because I want to do that. I, you're my man. I want to cater to you and all this stuff. But I felt like I wasn't being catered to in that way. And whenever I would bring it up, then of course his argument would be, well, I bought you food that one time, which means that you didn't have to get groceries. There was this one time y'all. So he wanted to go out like every day, one week. And so I think we had went to like Wing Daddy's, we went to Twin Peaks like twice, and we went somewhere else. But let me tell y'all that this guy used this week, this was like a pivotal week for him to use this to throw back in my face for the entirety of our relationship, was because he took me on all of those dinner dates that I didn't have to have as much groceries in my refrigerator, which saved me money. Like he was basically financing my dinners for the week. So then he felt like this sense of entitlement because he put all this money down. Like, y'all, I'm sure probably with four dinners, maybe he spent $200, maybe. But you're talking about in the course of a relationship? Like, I mean, all I'm saying is he used what he would do for me against me. So that told me that you didn't take me out to dinner because you wanted to, because you genuinely wanted to take me out to dinner. 
you took me out to dinner so that way when we get in an argument, you're going to throw back in my face, well, I don't know how you could feel that way because I literally took you out to dinner. I took care of you. But honey, you taking me out to dinner, like sure, like it's a nice gesture and I appreciate it, but I can take myself out to dinner. You offered to take me out to dinner, so I'm exp I'm assuming that you're taking me out to dinner because you just want to do it because you care about me. Not so you could use it as ammunition in an argument later as to why I feel like you're not pulling your weight in the house or why you, you know, like to fight first and ask questions later. Like in the beginning, when we first started dating, we had a lot of issues of like communication. We really could never have a conversation without an argument ensuing because I would try to get my point across and then he would talk over me. And then, you know, I would say like, you know, I don't like being talked over. So I would appreciate if you would let me talk. And then it would kind of be like a screaming match by the end of it because I feel disrespected if I told you that I don't like when you talk over me and you continue to do that. And this is kind of like the reason why I feel like physical stuff should really come dead last when you're, you know, in a relationship if you want it to be like a serious relationship because there has to be this establishment of communication because one communication with sex is very important like there has to be consent there has to be like a conversation about what you're into and what you're not willing to to go towards and like the things that you're not willing to be involved with when it comes to sex so communication is really important and we didn't have that established like we didn't have communication at all like our communication sucked and it was really pissing me off because I really tried to communicate with him I really tried to get my point across I would come to him very humbly I would come to him with like a calm voice because at this point I was working at a call center and so for 40 hours a week five days a week I was getting yelled at by customers so I would always preface any discussion that I had with him like hey you know I had a long day I basically argue with people for a living. I don't want to argue with my partner when I come home. I really don't want to do that. I know that we're in a relationship and there are going to be issues that need to be discussed, but I feel like we should be able to do that without arguing. But we weren't able to do it. And that should have been very telling for me. Like I need someone who can understand my point of view and I need to be able to understand their point of view and we can come together and compromise. We could never compromise. There was no compromise. There was no communication. But for whatever reason, sex was the one thing that he wanted to have down pat. Like that was one thing that for whatever reason, like he could sometimes be too tired to have a conversation with me. He would be too tired to have a discussion with me about something that was bothering me. But then in the same thought, He's like texting me at two o'clock in the morning when he gets off, like, can I come over? Well, I already know why you want to come over at two o'clock in the morning. So you have all this energy to have sex with me, but you don't have any energy to have a conversation with the person that you're supposed to be building a relationship with, building a future with. And I had a big issue with that. We definitely had our fair share of issues. And like I said, this relationship basically should have never happened. But there's one situation that I vividly remember is... I basically manipulated him into you know staying with me like you know he would want to leave after like a heated argument and I'd be like no, I don't want you to leave in the middle of the night because I feel I have a I feel some type of way when like people walk away from me like when you make the choice like I'm gonna leave like and that was his way of manipulating me because he knew 
I don't like feeling abandoned. I have abandonment issues and I made that very clear. That's not his fault, of course, but he played into my abandonment issues. So you know that I have abandonment issues and I tell you like, I don't want you to ever leave if we get an argument, like we can go into separate rooms, we cannot talk, we could do that, but I don't want you to like up and leave and storm off and you know, do the whole thing. And he would always do that, like, I'm just going to go. And he knew I felt, like, horrible about that. And it would always lead to me being a punk and crying and wanting him to stay. But then I also would manipulate him and trying to make him stay when he didn't want to. And, you know, it was just a bunch of toxic bullshit, y'all. So in July, I was like, hey, like, do you want to do something spontaneous? Let's go to, like, this cabin in the woods like a romantic getaway or something like that. So I found this place called the Getaway House and they have them like in different cities in the US and it's basically like a cabin in the woods. You can build a fire and it's kind of like glamping. And so it's not true camping because it's like a tiny house in the woods. But I was like, hey, like, do you want to do this? Let's just be spontaneous and take a trip because had I waited on him, we would have basically never left San Antonio and that's just like not what I was trying to be on. So we go to this little getaway house situation and you know, it was just some of the things that he was doing that for me felt like he wasn't even doing the bare minimum. So we get to the cabin or whatever. Actually, let me fa let me back back up a little bit. So, you know, this is like a cabin situation. So you get like a little mini fridge and like a mini stove, but you know, you want to try to live minimalistically when you're down there for however long. So we went to go pick up some groceries for the cabin. And so we go to like HEB, the grocery store here in Texas, and we start picking out stuff that we're going to take to the cabin. And I was getting kind of like pissed off with him because originally he had like this card where you know he had so many points and he could get a discount so basically the stipulations with that is i would have to buy the heb brand food or products in order for him to get this discount now for me i want what i want so like we had came this is so stupid y'all but these are just the situations that felt like we just weren't compatible because we didn't have the same like values or ideas about stuff and so, you know, I came up to a bag of Doritos and I'm like, I'm not about to put a bag of nacho cheese chips in my cart because they're the H-E-B brand and you get a discount. And I was like, I will pay an extra dollar for some Doritos. It's really not that serious. We get up to the counter and of course, like the whole grocery order is like a little over a hundred dollars. So then I felt bad because I was like, oh, I didn't even think we were going to spend this much for like two nights. So then I offered to like help him pay for it or whatever, because you know, I didn't really anticipate it being that much money in, in the first place. So I offered to pay him like half or like everything that I wanted. I said, like, let me pay for this. He didn't want me to pay for it. I was like, okay, whatever. So then we get in the car and I'm telling, I jokingly told him like, oh, well, I can't wait until you, you know, you cook this stuff for me or I can't wait to get a a hot cooked meal from you in this cabin. So then he starts laughing and he looks at me y'all. And this man tells me like, I don't understand how you would want me to cook when I just bought the groceries. Like, why do I have to cook and buy the groceries? Like I just bought all these groceries for you. So I'm not really trying to be cooking. And these are the same things that he would say if like we were also at home and not on vacation, it would be like, 
if I buy the food, why do I have to do this? Or if I do this, then you need to do this. Or like we couldn't equally do the same thing. It had to be like, if I did this, you have to do this. Or if I did this, I'm not doing this. Like that gender role, like women need to tend to the home and the men need to work. Well, newsflash, homie, we both work. So that don't make no sense anymore. We don't live in the 1940s. So I had a real issue with that because I'm like, we could both like do the same amount of work. Because at this point, it's not like you're working and I'm not. Yeah, he got really offended by that and was like, yeah, I don't, you know, intend on basically cooking when I bought the groceries. So I just felt some type of way about that. And, you know, I tried to explain myself. We didn't really get anywhere with it. We get to the cabin, y'all. Now, of course, it's COVID. So you want to disinfect the room and spray the sheets with Lysol. Y'all want to know, I get out this car I'm starting to unload, unpack everything. I basically unpacked the whole car by myself. And I had to show this man how to Lysol like a hotel room. I had to basically do it myself because I knew if he did it, I would have to go back behind him and do it. And I just kept looking at him like, dude, you're 30 years old. And why am I having to even tell you to grab the stuff in the car? Like you should be running to help me unload the car. Like, what are you doing? It was just, it was ridiculous, y'all. You know, all we did was like talk trash and shit about each other. And, you know, I felt like I was really just getting the bare minimum out of being with him. And I feel like this really just can't be all that I'm ever going to get in this relationship. Because if this is all I'm ever going to get, like someone who doesn't even plan trips, someone who will only do something if I suggest it, someone who doesn't surprise me with anything, someone who thinks that buying me Whataburger one time a week is really them doing some grand gesture. Someone who really thinks that the only thing that's gonna make this relationship great is by buying me fast food. Like, you don't do anything else but that. Like, you're not doing anything else significant. You don't say like, hey babe, like I got you a coupon to go get a pedicure. Or, hey babe, I bought you a massage. Like, it was nothing like that, y'all. And granted, I knew this guy was saving up to go to school, but you know, that's a whole nother story in itself and I'm not even gonna get into that, but I just felt like there was just so much that I was missing out on from this relationship. And I just felt like, dude, I could literally be single. I want to be with somebody who actually wants to wine and dine me, who wants to show me off, who wants to surprise me with things. Like, I'm not saying you need to go buy me a Birkin bag. I'm not telling you to do that at all. But I just don't want the bare minimum because I don't even give myself the bare minimum. So if I don't give myself the bare minimum, why do I need to accept the bare minimum from you? You are supposed to be adding value to my life, not subtracting. And I felt like it was a lot of subtracting. You know, we argued the whole time that we were there and it was really like a come to Jesus moment that we had in the cabin where I broke down crying after we had an argument. I just told him, I was like, hey, like, are we just doomed? Like, are we just not going to make it? Because I don't know what else to do here. I don't know how to... I don't know how, like, how we can effectively communicate. I don't know how to make you understand my point of view. I don't know how to get on the same page with these generals. Like, even if, like, I care about you and I would want it to work, like, I don't know how to make it work. And because I don't know how to make it work, that tells me that we don't need to be together. And, you know, even he had thought, like, yeah, like, it just seems like we don't have the same morals or the same values. And we had really learned that on that trip just based on some conversations that we had had like on the ride there or 
you know, because when you're in that cabin, you don't really have signal. So we had to have a lot of deep discussions. And so we kind of realized at that moment, we just weren't on the same page when it came to a lot of different situations, but we still kind of were going to try to make it work. You know, long story short, you know, the ending of that trip was terrible. Um, you know, we kind of tried to like nip the situation in the bud and we were fine on the way back home, like on the way back home, coming back from the trip. And he had to work that very next day. And so I'm thinking everything is fine. Like we had already hashed out like the situation. I'm thinking everything is fine. And basically what this dude does is he decides to like take a break from me and his excuse is he needs some time with God. But mind you, I had no idea that he was planning on doing this. So I'm like blindsided because I thought we had already nipped the situation that we were mad about at the cabin in the bud. And he decides to do this for like, 72 hours leave me like like basically my calls are going to voicemail he's not responding to my text messages I'm like in agony y'all like truly in agony could not sleep could not eat was literally just texting one of my best friends for 72 hours straight about like what's gonna happen are we gonna break up does he not want to be with me anymore and how I would be so distraught if he didn't want to be with me and looking back on it I'm just like man that was a crazy time because I literally put all my worth in that man and whether or not he wanted to be in a relationship with me after his break and that's really crazy to me because anytime I'm not in a relationship, I always say like, oh, that would never be me. Like, I'm not letting a man treat me like this or I'm not letting a man make me feel like this. Like, I always say these things and then I get in these predicaments where I basically let those very things happen. And it's like everything that I, all that hot girl shit, all that you're a boss ass bitch, all that stuff that I say when I'm single goes out the window because then I try to give these men a chance and then I end up looking like boo boo the fool. And so... 72 hours goes by finally you know he you know responds to one of my messages and let me tell y'all I had left 30 million voicemails probably sent an email sent long text messages trying to explain myself how much I love him how much I want to work it out how much I wanted to be him at the end of the day da, 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 da. just all this nonsense for no reason he finally returns after his three-day hiatus and says he does he doesn't want to break up and you know, he just needed time because what I said to him really hurt him back when we were in the cabin and we were arguing. And, you know, I knew after this situation that there was not going to be too much of a chance to us for us to actually work this out. Because basically what I decided to do is I decided to take him out for dinner so we could like really have a nice discussion about you know, what happened. And I, I made it clear to him. I said, you know, I understand needing time, but you know, leaving me on red for 72 hours and I'm supposed to be your girlfriend, that's just never going to be acceptable. And if you ever pull that again, like that's just not something I'm going to have to bow out gracefully. Cause that's not something that I can handle. I can't, you can't just leave me in agony, like wondering what the heck the fate of the relationship is going to be. And yeah, I made it very clear that that, that was, a uh, that wasn't cool and I didn't like how I felt in those moments not being able to think clearly I couldn't focus at work I, like I said I had no appetite I was just thinking about the fate of my relationship with this dude and it really should have never came to that because it wasn't worth doing all that 
and he basically says, you know, like he understands and, you know, he wouldn't do that anymore. And he was like, I don't understand why we're still talking about this. It's just beating a dead horse. And I thought we already hashed out this conversation. And we really didn't, y'all. Like, I really just wanted to make sure we were on the same page. And even then, he didn't really want to have the conversation, which made me realize that, you know, you don't even want to have these deep conversations that we need in order to try to see if we can even make it work in the first place. So basically, y'all, the nail in the coffin, and this has been a long episode, but the nail in the coffin was on, it was sometime in August of 2021. Well, one of my friends was getting ready to PCS, so she had just joined the military and she was about to go overseas. So I wanted to make sure I was spending as much time with her as possible. So me, her, and another um, friend that we, we had been hanging out with like during the summer, we decided to go to brunch on a Saturday. And he had told me that he had like some guys weekend plan with his coworkers. I was like, okay, that's cool, whatever. So we go do our brunch situation. And, you know, I start telling the girlies that I don't think this relationship is one that I need to be in. I don't think this is going to work. And I basically know that he's not the guy for me, but I just stay because I don't want to be alone. Like, I don't want to have to start from square one and start dating again. Like, I really wanted him to be my last relationship. And that was basically what I wanted, y'all. Like, when I met him, even though, like, I told y'all in the beginning, we didn't really have, I didn't have that attraction to him. But once I, like, really started to fall for the guy or whatever the case may be, I really felt like, you know what? I want this guy to be the last guy that I'm ever involved with. I don't want to have to make it work with anybody else. I'm going to try to make it work with this guy. I don't care what it takes. I don't care what I have to sacrifice. I don't care if I'm not happy. I'm just going to try to make it work with this guy. That's basically what I did. I basically sacrificed my happiness and what I wanted out of a man to be with this guy because I didn't want to be alone because I didn't want to have to get back on Tinder and start swiping again. And so I basically put my whole like life in jeopardy. I mean, I'm being dramatic, but you know, did this whole thing just because I didn't want to have to start from square one. I'm like, I'm almost 30 and I'm not in a relationship. And what if I want to have kids? And, you know, who knows if that's even a possibility because I can't ever be in a stable relationship and yada, yada, yada. And I'm going to tell you guys this profound thing that basically a voice in my head told me, which I do believe was God before I went to this brunch with the girls. So I was getting ready and a voice in my head told me, I have so much more for you. And I know it was God because I had been going back and forth in my mind, like, Sierra, like, you need to get out of this relationship because it's not serving you. This is not what you want. If this is all you're ever going to get for the rest of your life, if you decide to stay with this guy, you are not going to be happy. You are not going to feel like your life is fulfilled. You don't, you're not going to have a partner in life. You really need to get out of this relationship. And I kept ignoring that voice in my head. I kept trying to figure out how I could make it work. Or maybe I'm thinking like, oh, well, sometimes, you know, we think that the grass is greener on the other side, but maybe what I have is good and maybe it'll work out. But I just kept having these reoccurring thoughts in my mind that he wasn't the one and I'm settling because I'm basically getting mediocre behavior here. I'm getting mediocre shit. And I had never been in a situation where the guy that I was with, like, I had to constantly like remind him to do things that you tell five-year-olds or I just felt like I was in the relationship by myself. And so I told the girls that I had this profound moment in the mirror while I was doing my makeup and they were like, yeah, you're just kind of basically delaying the inevitable at this point. You know, you don't want to be with him. So, you know, you just need to end it. 
So I kind of was just pondering that thought the whole day. But, you know, I'm with the girls. We're out drinking, you know, doing brunch. So I'm not really too concerned about him. But then, you know, he does text me like in the middle of the girls day. And we were bar hopping like all afternoon. Um, and he tells me like, you know, he's done with the guys day. So then I invite him to come and hang out with me and the girls because we were at this cool bar, like this outdoor bar. So I invited him to come hang out with us because he had never like actually hung out with like me and my friends, really. So I invited him. He showed up three hours late. And finally, when he gets there, it's like he's not excited to see me. He's basically giving me the cold shoulder. And I want to say like when he had actually finally got to the bar, you know, I'm a lightweight when it comes to alcohol. So I want to say I was tipsy at that point. You know, so I'm like a lot more um, giddy and, you know, just whatever. So I want to say when he gets there, he literally says, can I go buy him a drink? He didn't make sure to check to see if I needed water. I told him I was drunk. He didn't check to make sure I needed water if I was okay. Like he wanted me to get him a drink. And his excuse was he wanted to make sure that he caught up to everybody else at the bar and made sure that he was on our level because... And so basically, long story short, y'all, I told y'all I have a friend who was PCSing overseas. So this was like one of the last couple of like outings that I had with her. And, you know, she had a curfew. So we wanted to, I wanted to make sure that she was going to get back um, where she needed to be at the right time or whatever. And so her and one of the girls that we were hanging out with had went to one of the food trucks. And I just wanted to make sure that you know, she was going to get back to where she needed. So I'm texting her trying to make sure, you know, she's, you know, doing what she's supposed to do. And he's like talking to me, like, why are you concerned about her? She's a grown ass woman. You shouldn't be concerned about her. I was like, first of all, like I'm a woman and I'm always going to look out for my female friends because that's what you're supposed to do, especially when alcohol is involved. Like you just want to make sure everybody is good. And so those were the girls that I came with. So I wanted to make sure everybody was good and that everybody was going to be back where they needed to be. And everybody had a designated driver and all that stuff. So, you know, he was going to be my designated driver because I was tipsy and didn't need to be driving. Well, the girl, the other girl that had came with us, you know, I asked him like if he could drive her to her car because we basically parked our cars at the place that we went to brunch at. So I asked him if he doesn't mind like dropping my friend off at her car because essentially he's not he's not doing any extra work like my car is literally at this place that we had brunch. The girl's car is literally at this place that we had brunch. He's not doing any extra work to take us both to the same place. So you know he says he's fine with it or whatever so we get in the car he drives us over there. It's 11 o'clock so it's dark outside and I wanted to make sure that she got to her car safely. I'm not going to just drive off until I know you're safely in your car. Like, that's what you do. Like, that's just what people do. Normal human beings who care about the safety of others. That's what you do. Especially if you spent the whole day with them, you came with them. That's your, your group for the day. You want to make sure everybody gets home safely. So he drops her off at her car. And then he's going to, he proceeds to basically drive off. And I'm like, hey, babe, like, can we just wait until you know, so-and-so gets in her car safely because, you know, I want to make sure she gets in and, you know, it's not like it's putting us in a bind. Like my car is right there. So he gets an attitude about that. So she, she gets in her car. She, she drives off. We're all good. So then we get to my car and I'm like, you know, I don't think I should drive or whatever. You know, I've been drinking. I don't think I should drive. 
I'm basically trying to convince him to let me ride with him so I don't have to drive. Do you guys know that this dude did not even offer to drive me to my house and to possibly come pick up my car the next day when I sober up? Nothing like that. So basically, I then had to drive myself home. So my stipulation was, okay, if I'm going to drive myself home, I need you to like follow behind me to make sure I'm good. Like, don't speed off and be somewhere I don't know where you are. Like, follow behind me, make sure I'm good, because I don't truly think that I need to be driving in the first place. So he does that for like a little period of time. And then next thing I know, homie is like in front of me on the highway. So then I'm like, okay, I told you to follow behind me. Now you're not behind me. So I'm getting pissed. So then he goes to grab food and I basically, you know, told him what I wanted I get back home, I'm getting like situated. I made it back home with no issues, even though I was basically, basically tipsy and shouldn't have been driving. But somehow I managed to get home in one piece. So I'm getting home, you know, I'm trying to get ready for bed and wind down for the night. And I basically just start crying because I felt like he had no regard for my well-being that evening. He, like I said, he didn't seem interested to see me when he got there. He really wasn't making conversation with me when he did get there. He had such a problem with driving my friend to her car. He had such a problem with just trying to help me out, which he doesn't do often because I usually don't ask him to help me in that regard. And so I'm crying, just thinking like, oh, I need to end this relationship. This isn't going to work, all that type of stuff. So mind you guys, I told you he went to go grab food. An hour passed by. And to this day, I still don't believe that It took him an hour to get Whataburger. I just don't believe that. The Whataburger is like a three minute drive from my house. I just truly don't believe it took him an hour, especially considering that he showed up to my house with a number one, no sweet tea, no fries, a cold burger is what he showed up to my house with. And basically we get into a screaming match and you know, I'm like, I felt like you didn't care about me this evening and I felt like you you know, didn't seem like you were interested in being around me and you didn't want to help me and my friends out. And, you know, he's basically pissed off at me. He's screaming at me, yelling at me back and forth, starting to cuss me out. And fast forward, he basically decides to storm off and leave. And the, the one thing that he said before, and this is the last thing that he said to me in person before we actually broke up, um, because I basically told him before he left, like, I, I, I guess we just need to Like, it doesn't seem like we're at a point where we can really make this relationship work. But I'm still at this point trying to salvage the relationship somehow. But I don't know what to do to do that. I don't know how to salvage this relationship at this point. I don't really know what else I can do here. This is the third time I've tried to make it work with this guy. And this time I listened solely to myself. I didn't have any outside opinions telling me what to do with this guy. I literally told nobody. And so... You know, he was just like, okay, well, you want to break up? Well, fine, then we'll just break up and blah, blah, blah. And so I'm trying to stop him from leaving because I already told y'all why. I'm trying to stop him from leaving. He had been drinking also. So I'm thinking he's coming over here to spend the night. Nobody's going to leave the house. We've both been drinking. We're going to stay the night. We're going to sober up, do whatever in the morning. Well, he proceeds to saying like he's going to leave. He's leaving. We're breaking up. He doesn't want to be with me anymore. He's tired of all this BS and you know, I'm trying to stop him from leaving one because I didn't want him to leave and two because he had been drinking and I didn't think it was safe. 
and you know he still proceeds to try to walk out the door and basically i try to block the door he's not having it and the last thing that he says is this is why y'all women get y'all asses beat and it was at that moment that i realized like like who are you like i don't even know this person that i've invited into my home that i've been sleeping with that i've had pregnancy scares with I mean, I don't even know who you are to even think to say something like that to me. And it was really at that moment that I realized that, you know, he wasn't a person that I needed to be with. And it wasn't like that was the the only moment. I mean, I told you guys, I heard that voice in my head saying that if I stayed with him, I was going to have a mediocre life and that's not what I wanted. But I really tried so hard to like salvage and make the relationship work because I knew I had issues that I needed to work on and I knew that the relationship wasn't like horrible just because of him but I just felt like he really wasn't meeting me halfway and I guess it really just didn't matter because it's like even if you met me halfway we still don't even have the same values and morals we don't need to be together we are not each other's person and I feel like that should have been something that I should have been okay with saying and that should have just been the end of it but because we introduced physicality and, you know, doing all this stuff and spending so much time together, you really start to like romanticize your relationship with these people and you don't truly know who they are. Because like I told y'all, I would have never expected him of all people to say some, some shit like that to me. And this is somebody that you claim that you love. And this is why women get their ass beat. Like, that tells me I don't really know what you're capable of. If that's what you feel, if that's how you feel, my me blocking the doors, you don't go home drinking and driving. If that's how you truly feel, well, I don't really know what to say to that. So, you know, and after this moment, you know, I did exchange a few words with him, you know, like via text, trying to like end on a good note because him walking out and saying what he did you know, that wasn't a good note to end on. So I tried to, you know, end it on a good note and try to wish him well and, you know, all that type of stuff. And, you know, even that didn't go well. So it just goes to show you that we were never a compatible match in the first place. And I should have stuck stuck to my guns and I should have like left it at the fact that we either could just be friends or I should have let that date go by and just never entertain the relationship or what I should have done was stick to my boundaries when it came to inviting him over and having sex and all that stuff because what I would have learned is who he truly was as a person I would have learned his character and then I would have made I could have made all the right decisions with the information that I had because there was no sex involved so there would have been no blurred lines but I decided to go back on my word and do all that which didn't lead me to believe like oh well you know, maybe, maybe this can work. Maybe this guy does love me. Maybe we can make this work. Relationships all have problems, but y'all, it didn't work out. And you know, that's my last and latest relationship to date. And, you know, I'm happy that I went through that looking back on it because it just made me realize that I don't need to tolerate mediocrity and nobody else needs to tolerate mediocrity. Like, why would you subject yourself to a person who doesn't even really want to do the things that you want to do for yourself? If we want to be in a relationship, we both have to pour into that relationship and we have to have a mutual understanding of what that means for us. And for me, that didn't mean me having to hear you bitch and complain because I asked you to drop one of my friends off down the sidewalk from my vehicle. 
you know? Yeah, guys, that's the story of my blind date that turned into a relationship that should have never existed, which also leads me to the to also say I will not let somebody who doesn't know me that well set me up on a blind date ever again because that's just that's not it for me I personally think that when I meet my husband it's either going to be at Target or it's going to be at the gym and if it's not either of those places I don't know what the Lord has planned for me but it's not going to be via a blind date but yeah that's the story y'all Alright y'all, it's time for our favorite segment, it's product of the week. So I told y'all that I had a two for this week just for like to kick off Black History Month. So first I'm going to go with a skincare product. So what I'm going to talk about right now, and I'm just going to briefly go over it. You guys can look up the benefits and do your research as it pertains to your own skin type. But this is Mandelic Acid. It's by The Ordinary. You can get it from different brands, of course, but I think The Ordinary has the more affordable like skincare serums and such. So I really like them for that reason because when you're trying to try a bunch of new skincare and trying to build a routine, it can get expensive. So when you can save money somewhere and maybe splurge in another area, that's kind of important to me. So this is the mandelic acid 10% plus HA, which is hyaluronic acid, which is supposed to be moisturizing for the skin. Um, now, the reason why I picked this up is because back in like 2020, when we were all in quarantine and all that jazz and trying to do better for ourselves and thinking about all the things that we could do to benefit our skin and mental health and home improvement, you know, all that stuff that we were doing. I really wanted to perfect my skincare routine and try to get some new products in my rotation that could help with some of the issues that I was having. So like I told you guys previously with wearing masks, I started getting a lot of breakouts around my jawline. And also because of those breakouts, it would create dark spots. And I have fair skin. So dark spots are very pronounced on my skin type. And I don't wear makeup usually. So, you know, anything that I can do to like kind of reduce the amount of dark spots, you know, that's going to be helpful for me. Now, originally I purchased what they call glycolic acid, which is considered another alpha hydroxy acid, um, kind of similar to mandelic acid, but the only difference is glycolic acid can be kind of a problem for melanated skin. I've done some research on YouTube about it. And with the purchase of the my own glycolic acid from Naturium by Susan Yara, that stuff was really nice on my skin it made my skin feel smooth it's basically a chemical exfoliant kind of like that salicylic acid stuff that i told y'all about last week but it has larger molecules in the substance itself which means it penetrates your skin slower than like a salicylic acid would but for melanated skin glycolic acid could actually burn your skin there's some more research behind that which y'all can look into yourselves i'm not a dermatologist so i don't know all the scientific stuff behind it so i used it one night and i felt like the next morning my skin glowed but after a couple of days i noticed that i kind of had like this huge dark mark on my chin and i basically figured out that that was like a like a chemical burn 
Um, now it did eventually go away, but I felt like if I were to continue using that glycolic acid and then after reading some reviews from like other people of color on Amazon about it, they were saying that, you know, if you use it over time, it'll burn your skin and it really just depends on your skin type, but it's kind of like a no-no for melanated skin. So they were saying that an alternative to glycolic acid for people of color would be mandelic acid. And it kind of does the same thing, like it's a chemical exfoliant, so it's going to kind of slub off the dead skin without you having to use like a physical exfoliant that may be more irritating. But I really like it. It's moisturizing when I wake up, especially if I've been using salicylic acid consistently. Sometimes it does leave my skin a little bit dry. So I will alternate mandelic acid, rosehip oil, and salicylic acid throughout the week. Um, sometimes I don't use this at all unless I feel like, you know, I have a dark spot that I want to get rid of. But consistency really is the key. I even put my grandmother on this product um, and she said that she thinks that it has been working from her because she does have a lot of sun damage on her skin. So it takes time, y'all, with any skincare routine that you build. It's going to take consistency and time. But I think, I mean, truly, I noticed a difference after using this like twice a week. So you don't even have to use it every single day, especially if you're using other um, actives in your routine. So definitely something to consider. Like I said, I think it's pretty inexpensive. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it at Ulta and Sephora, I also believe. So key product there. And the last product that I want to tell you all about was a book. And this is kind of a rare thing for me. I don't read that much, but I'm trying to get back into it. Um, I've never really been a big reader unless I was in school, but I'm trying to get into reading more for like leisure. But if you guys know about Rachel Lindsay, she was the first black bachelorette in the Bachelor franchise back in 2017. She wrote a book and it's called Miss Me With That, Hot Takes, Helpful Tidbits, and A Few Hard Truths. I have really been enjoying it. I purchased it when it launched on January 25th and I'm a quarter of a way through the book. I've really been enjoying it. She talks about her struggles growing up, you know, going to kind of like a predominantly white school and being a black woman and what that means to her. She talks about her relationship struggles prior to going on The Bachelor and the, becoming The Bachelorette and finding her husband. She talks about everything like she really doesn't hold back in this book and I'm not surprised because Rachel Lindsay is very vocal about how she feels on different topics and I also even listened to her podcast with Van Lathan it's called Higher Learning it comes on Monday they drop a new episode Monday and Friday every week and I'm telling you it's such a great podcast. I'm not even like really good or into politics at all, but they break it down to where you understand. They bring special guests. They talk a lot about black culture and black issues and they talk about sports. I hate sports, but somehow I'm interested whenever they talk about it and it's just so funny. So highly recommend y'all checking out that podcast. Even if you don't really know who Rachel Lindsay is, I think I think anybody would really relate to the topics that she's discussing in this book. Um, I just personally love her. So I was like, yeah, I'm definitely going to support. So that's going to be it for product of the week, guys. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Of course, 
You can always find me on Apple Podcasts. Leave me a review, an honest review. Appreciate any feedback, whether that's positive or negative. Share the podcast with somebody who might be interested in it. And yeah, subscribe to the podcast. Love y'all and I'll talk to y'all next week. Bye.